and welcome to the Energetic Principles Podcast. I'm your host, Melissa LaFera, an astrologer, tarot consultant, and all-around creative from sunny San Diego, California. And this 23rd episode is for the week of October 1st, 2018. So let's break it down a bit. Here's what to expect. The goal is to help guide and prepare you for the utmost awareness of the energy in the moment. For if you use the energy consciously, it has a better chance of working for you. I'll kick off the show with a weekly astro report, along with a few tarot polls and our animal ambassador of the week. Then a guest will join me in conversation around a chosen topic. And this week, I'm so happy to welcome one of my personal mentors, uh, professional astrologer, lecturer, and teacher, Kelly Surtees, uh, to join me in a discussion on Venus retrograde from scorpion to scales. So before we get started here, please remember, as always, take what resonates and leave the rest, because only you know you best. So thank you so much for joining me here today, and if you'd like to show appreciation for my work and get early Sunday access to the podcast for only $1 per month, you can do so on Patreon at patreon.com backslash energetic principles. So let's get down to this week's Astro Report. Our lunar lady starts out the week in the watery and sensitive domicile of Cancer as she wanes her way towards a last quarter moon square in the sign of the crab on Tuesday. Midweek, she saunters into appreciation-loving Leo, where she will hang out until moving into the exacting Earth sign of Virgo on Friday, and where she will remain for much of the weekend, as she darkens towards her new moon phase, uh, which she'll be making on Monday the 8th. We'll have that new moon in Libra. So everything's kind of winding down this week. Um, So just a quick heads up, all time approximations are for North America. So if you live in Europe at about eight hours, and if you are in Australia or the East at about 17 hours, basically the following day. And keep in mind that timing isn't always precise as astrological transits, otherwise known as the connections that planets make, have varied emphasis as they apply and separate. So it's quite possible to find the energy sooner or later than the exact moment of contact. Well, this week, as I said, we are winding down on that moon cycle um, as the energy comes to a close to rebirth itself anew next Monday with that new moon in Libra. Uh, But in the meantime, we will encounter our own security issues during a last quarter moon in Cancer, while also dealing with the changing mental landscape as Mercury meets the Lord of the Underworld in a tense square configuration this week. And the big news, uh, I have to say, is Venus is stationing for a rather rare retrograde period as we go in to re-examine that which we open up to and that which we hold value for still. Uh, So let's not waste any time and dive right in. 
On Monday, we start out the week with the moon in Cancer, and she'll make a sextile to Uranus and then an opposition to Saturn. Uh, And we don't necessarily have aspects going on that day, but I think because the last quarter moon happened so early, uh, at least here in North America, um, I have a feeling its influence is going to be felt mostly on Monday, Monday and Tuesday. But Monday, I think we're going to feel that brewing or that waxing or that apexing of energy. So let's talk about that now. Uh, So last quarter moon in Cancer, Um, nine degrees Cancer is where it will fall. So if you have any planets at nine degrees of cardinal signs, Aries, Cancer, Libra, or Capricorn, this might be a little sensitive one for you. Um, But, you know, we're actually, you know, last quarter moons. Let's talk about last quarter moons first. So you know what, you know, what is it? (laughs) So as a little refresher, um, are a time when we experience a crisis of consciousness and where we encounter friction and resistance, uh, which can come from outside of us, yet most of the battle is best fought from within. Um, So it's one of those, like, we have to act in some way, but sometimes the action has to take place on the, you know, as an inside job. And having this position in Cancer, a sign that is known for its protective shell, uh, its potentially defensive nature, uh, and a deep concern for its own security, you know, this may bring up some of these issues for the sun to help balance out from that objective viewpoint of Libra. So if you find yourself a bit emotional or feeling very vulnerable, know that it is par for the course with this energy. The Libra sun will do its best to bring in the reason, yet emotions are likely to take over in the early part of the week, especially having a moon in Cancer, which is its domicile. It's strong. Um, And there may be an action you have to take that you feel unsettled about, yet unless we give it a go, we may never move past that insecure feeling. And I like the Sabian symbol for this placement. Um, So the symbol reads, a large diamond not completely cut. And so to me, this suggests that there is true value there, but more effort is needed as we are still a work in progress. So give yourself that leeway and concentrate on the potential of whatever you encounter, as there may be some hidden beauty and a promise that arises once we continue to facet our radiant gem. So the bottom line for Monday is, with the moon in Cancer, we are on approach to our last quarter position and where emotional tension will most likely be in the air. The opportunity to tap into our intuition is strong with that sextile to Uranus, um, and it will help us get creative as well. Yet it may also bring some restless energy that may, may feel the weight from that opposition to Saturn, because Luna is going to make that, uh, you know, it's going to connect with Saturn as well, and Saturn can feel heavy. Um, So inflexible positions or situations that are outside of us can bring, you know, that feeling of doom and gloom. Yet don't let it get you down, as this moment will pass, as it always does. So step up to the responsibilities and the duties that are on your plate, and try not to overly judge whatever it is that you encounter. Now, on Tuesday, technically we have our last quarter moon in Cancer, although, I mean, it's happening at 2.45 a.m. here on the Pacific Coast. Um, And so Luna will square the sun, will make a trine to Venus, a trine to Neptune, an opposition to Pluto, and a square to Mercury. So the moon is making all kinds of contacts on Tuesday. 
Um, and we have a significant transit that's going on. There's not a whole lot this week, but the one of the ones that we have happens to be happening on Tuesday. And that is Mercury, who's making a square to Pluto. Mercury in Libra making a square to Pluto in Capricorn. And so Mercury, you know, Mercury represents our, you know, our ways of communication, uh, messages or news coming in, or information that, you know, falls into our lap or that we seek, or even, you know, transactions and distributing things. And of course, squares are always, they always bring events. They always bring some action, but usually it's action that involves some friction or some challenge. um, And we have to get past some cross purposes. And then what are we challenged with? Well, that is Pluto. And Pluto is challenging, <laughs> to say the least. And Pluto can bring up such things as, you know, situations that cause great change in our lives. It's a kind of a purifying force that we have to be reckoned with and to kind of succumb to. And it also can bring up such things as instinctual emotional material. Um, and But really, Pluto just wants to transform us in some way. But we have to acquiesce in order to do so. And so it brings up control issues as well. So with these two meeting in a tense square, I have a feeling that we will see some developments in our legal system and government that challenges the wave of change that has been going on, especially with all the proceedings and the, um, you know, everything that's going on right now. This it seems to fall in line with some of the energy. Um, and this is also a time where we may feel rather defensive about our own viewpoint, especially with that moon in Cancer, uh, because it can be a little defensive, as I said earlier. Um, and with that last quarter uh, square that I talked about in the previous segment, we are bound to feel these energies in the early part of the week. So be aware if you are defending your own side of an issue that you may be met with some friction on the other side. And we are more likely to be obsessed with a particular subject matter at this time. And it wouldn't surprise me if it is work-related or in line with our government or our bureaucratic systems. Mercury and Libra will be concerned with sussing out both sides and looking at the fairness or equality and what information or communications are encountered. When we become so passionate about a thought or a message, it can be an opportunity to challenge ourselves to look within and see why these matters provoke us. The mind can challenge its own awareness around more psychological matter. So if you feel called to go within, you may find that the introspection is rewarding in the end. And we may also be confronted with information that is out of our control or be challenged to make a decision about something that we've been indecisive about thus far. And if you come across news of events that are hard to swallow, the best thing to do is to accept what is heard, which is not always an easy thing to do. Otherwise, obsessing over it will only drive you bonkers. So just be aware that early in the week, we can have these challenges may find us (laughs) personally and maybe on a world sphere as well. And so the bottom line for Tuesday is today is likely to be eventful and quite frankly, all over the place with all the connections that Luna is making to the planets. It may be slow going and a bit dreamy out the gate with that trying to Neptune earlier on in the day. Yet chances are we will awaken from the slumber later on when the moon opposes Pluto and squares Mercury, lighting up the Mercury-Pluto square that is happening today. And as I said prior, challenges via the mind, our communications, or the news are likely to stir up some deeply instinctual and emotional material. So do your best to go with the flow and nurture yourself appropriately. Because the moon in Cancer, you know, it has a nurturing vibe. So take care of yourself. 
Now, on Wednesday, the moon is still in Cancer and uh, will move into Leo around midday. And uh, she'll make an early trine to Jupiter, really, really, really early in the morning. Um, And then a square to Uranus later in the day. And so we don't have any transits going on other than our good old moon here. So the bottom line of Wednesday is we have our two-part day as we ride the waves of the Cancer moon until about midday, um, or at least here in the U.S. if you're on uh, the North American continent. Um, But when Luna will move into that robust fire sign of Leo later on, so there's likely to be a significant kind of change in energy. We'll probably feel that. Um, And right when she enters that lion's territory, a square to Uranus will likely send a little bit of a shock or disruption out into the ether. And it could be a nice night to do what you feel like doing, you know, what you feel like doing in in pure Leo fashion, um, as an independent streak may arise from within us with that restless um, Uranus energy. And because of that restless energy that may be around, it can create irritability if things don't go our way. And especially uh, in Leo, you know, things can get a little dramatic. So if you find relating difficult, you know, shake things up a bit internally. And rather than being stubborn, maybe find a new approach. And maybe that's the blessing in this uh, energy. Now, on Thursday, the moon is fully in Leo uh, and will make an opposition to Mars very early on in the day, uh, more like in the middle of the night, (laughs) Um, a square to Venus and then a sextile to the sun. Um, And once again, we don't have any aspects going on, but I will say we are a day away from our Venus uh, stationing retrograde, and and the moon will be making a square to Venus today, so I think that we're really going to be feeling the station about to, you know, come on. Um, And so the bottom line for Thursday is we may wake up a little on the grumpy side at first um, with that square to Venus. Yet I think if we honor how we are feeling, Luna's sextile to the sun will help bring conscious awareness our way. And with the moon intense aspect to Venus, this can be a time that gives us that insight into our potential fodder for our Venus retrograde cycle. And as she is stationing tomorrow, which I just said, you know, pay attention because these little hiccups um, is really what can kind of tune us in or, you know, help us to find what it is that, you know, we are up, that's up for consideration during, during the next 40 days. So pay attention to the hiccups in our ability to find or cultivate affection, which is a very Venusian thing, or for ourselves or within relation to others. Um, Because once we get over that hurdle, I think the day offers a release from the potential conflict we faced earlier on in the week with that sextile to the sun. Um, And as the sextile is always an opportunity, you don't have to take it, but I think this would be a good one. (laughs) Now, on Friday, the moon is still in Leo, but we'll make a jump to Virgo about midday, a little later on the afternoon, actually, early evening, if you're on the East Coast. Uh, And along the way, she's going to make a sextile to Mercury, a square to Jupiter, and then a trine to Uranus and Saturn. And so, all right, we have Venus stationing retrograde uh, today in Scorpio. Um, And, you know, Scorpio is our fixed water sign, and there's a lot to be said about this. Um, And it's 
kind of funny because it's like, if you didn't think the retrograde summer was enough, (laughs) you know, we've already been through so many retrogrades. Um, But of course, we're going to cap off the year with a good old fashioned Venus retrograde. Um, And Venus, like Mars, does not retrograde that often. So this period will be quite significant to go inside to reconnect with what attracts us in life. And if what we assign value to still holds worth for us. This could be a time where we look at our own comfort in regards to our just deserves. And in turn, how that fits in within our relationships or our social life and what we allow ourselves to open up to in general. I'm going to keep this description a little skimpy uh, as I have the fabulous Kelly Surtees on later in the program. And we will go into much detail in regards to the retrograde cycle, Venus herself, and the relevant clues to look out for in relation to this 40-day underworld retreat. So stay tuned to find out more. Uh, But before I move on, here are some of the specifics in regards to her retrograde. So Venus entered her shadow period on September 2nd. So September 2nd, we might have been starting to see some of the things that we're going to be reviewing. Uh, She obviously makes the station uh, at 10 degrees Scorpio today, uh, Friday, October 5th. Um, And then she's going to station direct at 25 degrees Libra on November 16th. And she won't officially leave her shadow phase until December 16th when she reaches uh, 10 degrees Scorpio again. And so the bottom line for Friday is uh, we have another two-part moon experience going on as we spend much of the day still in the land of the lion uh, and where we will be mulling over that which lights up the heart and how much attention and appreciation we are getting and giving. And Venus stationing today also pulls on matters of the heart. So relating in general may be a subject of interest. Later in the day, Luna moves into discerning and health-conscious Uh, Virgo, and will make a grand trine, uh, a grand earth trine to both Uranus and Saturn. So practical matters are likely to flow at this time. And even though it's Friday night, there may be an urge to clean up or purify your life in some way. Uh, So if it it happens to arise, go with it, go with the flow, because (laughs) it'll move along nicely. Now, uh, we don't have any more aspects for the rest of the week, so we'll just touch on our moon placements here. So Saturday, the moon is still in Virgo, uh, and we'll make a sextile to Venus, an opposition to Neptune, and then a trine to Pluto. And so the bottom line for Saturday is, we may want to work behind the scenes on Saturday, taking the day at a slower pace with that sextile to Venus and that opposition to Neptune. Energy may be more retiring as we are desiring to escape reality, yet at the same time, we can't fully do that, you know, because if the moon's in Virgo, (laughs) it's not as easy to escape. So find a way to meet in the middle, basically, you know, get a little done and then chill after. And there may be something that we are not looking at realistically, um, you know, now that there's kind of a a shining light of truth that is coming up to our face um, with that trine to Pluto. So basically the opposition to Neptune, it might alert us to a more discerning eye to what might be a little fishy in our lives. Um, And then that trine to Pluto will help us kind of, you know, suss out the, you know, the integrity of a situation. So if any emotional material comes up, go with the flow as it's likely to be productive purifying and grounding in the end, because we are talking about earth signs. Now on Sunday, the moon is in Virgo and will make uh, her move into Libra later, later, later in the day. And on the way, she will make a sextile to Jupiter early on and then a square to Saturn uh, later on. (laughs) 
And so the bottom line for Sunday is that energy gets increasingly quiet as we are winding down to Monday's new moon in Libra. And this would be a wonderful day to look back and honor the transitions that have been taking place over the last lunar month, as there has been no lack of action on the part of the universe. Once the moon moves into Libra much later in the day, her square to Saturn may have us longing for beauty instead of duty. And feeling that those Sunday night blues may be in order, you know, reminding us why Garfield hates Mondays. And so to wrap it up here, you know, this week is likely to have some ups and downs in the emotional department as a last quarter moon square in Cancer uh, and that Mercury-Pluto square challenges our more instinctual and emotional drives. Venus is the star of the week as she stations for retrograde motion, prompting us into an introspective 40-day journey centered around our relations, what it is we value, and how receptive our nature is in regards to opening up in life. So now let's take a look at the cards because they always add another extra dimension to what is going on. And so this week I drew the sun as the focus and the queen of cups as the grounding. And with the sun as the focus, we are seeing the light on a matter this week. And I have to say, these two cards play rather well into the Venus retrograde station and the women's rights movement that is currently underway. Uh, So I'm hoping that this week we get a sun moment around these subjects in the hopes that as a populace, we become more and more aware and hopefully strike upon a winning moment. Um, And I'm pretty sure you know what team I'm on. But on a more general note, the sun is signifying that there is a source of clarity and illumination that happens this week. The radiant energy can help lift us up if there have been darker times upon us, promising that the light will always shine once again. Look to see things as they really are, as any veil of illusion this week will most likely drop. And with the Queen of Cups as the grounding, there is an emotional maturity that grounds this week, asking that we find the light of the sun via our own emotional wisdom. Feelings can help guide us to the realizations we are looking for, and paying attention to our heart, our dreams, our desires, and the inner vision that holds our illuminated truth will help guide us there. Find empathy for yourself and others this week, and let the love flow in. Now, last but certainly not least, this show is brought to you by this week's animal ambassador, the walrus. This large flippered marine animal is here to remind us to stay vigilant this week and to pay attention to any signs or omens that arrive. Knowing that these intuitive and symbolic observations can help dictate our choices as we move forward. Signs mean different things to many people, and the key is to open up, you know, being open and aware for nature's message um, is really, you know, that's how you're going to find if it holds uh, relevance for you. Because if something holds relevance for you and you notice it, um, especially if it seems unusual or keeps repeating itself, especially in threes, you know, threes are kind of the magic number, this is a sign to pay attention. You know, it's not coincident. (laughs) Um, And if there is something you are pondering and having a hard time making a decision about, ask for a sign. You'd be surprised how well the universe listens. And the answers you get may not be bold and in your face, so look for nuance. Yet sometimes they will be so obvious you won't even believe your eyes. Uh, So just keep a lookout for those things. And if you need a sign, ask. Um, Because, you know, if we're on the lookout or what brings us awareness, 
you know, that's essentially tapping into that sun card that I mentioned earlier. So look for the signs of illumination and let them lead the way. And if you would like to go, you know, deeper into the energy of the week and how it will interact with you personally, I encourage you to check out my tarot spread, a uh, custom tarot spread on Patreon that I do every week. I make a custom spread based on the energies of the week. Um, and this one's a little bit special uh, because we are focusing on re-examining value and worth. So we're going to be tapping into that 40-day uh, Venus cycle and how that looks through the cards. Um, So if that's something you would like to check out or find any interest in, you can find out more on Patreon at patreon.com backslash energetic principles. Okay, now let's meet our guest. All right, I am so happy to welcome this week's special guest and my personal mentor, Kelly Surtees. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks, Mel. It's a pleasure. I'm really excited to talk with you today. Yes, the feeling is mutual. (laughs) Um, So before we get started here, in case people haven't heard of you before, which they all should, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. Gosh, uh, well, I'm Australian, which will be obvious by my accent, although I have lived in Canada now for 10 years. Uh, I moved here because I fell in love and am now married to my husband and he's Canadian. So that's a little on the personal side. So I guess I sound like a mashup. When I'm in Australia, I don't sound Australian enough. But when I'm in Canada or the States, I don't sound anything like a North American. Uh, But astrology, I guess, is what we're all here. We're all connecting through this shared love of. And I started studying astrology when I was 11, um, self-taught at home under the big maple trees in Sydney, reading books like an absolute spooky nerd. And when I was in my early 20s, I took a couple of, well, not a couple, I studied for a solid couple of years uh, in with an astrology teacher in Sydney and then I uh, started seeing clients. Uh, and that was nearly 20 years ago now. Oh, wow. And astrology has been my life work, I guess. I've been very sort of lucky and privileged that uh, my love for astrology has kind of paid off. And now I guess I travel the world, teaching astrology, seeing clients. Uh, And it's really great. Astrology is such an amazing tool. And I love teaching students and I love especially working with clients. So these are, these are my great loves. Oh, well, they're, they're fabulous things. And you've definitely made something, you know, you've carved your own niche out of it all. Um, And I have Divin, that's not even a word. I have <laughs> dove into the niche um, that you have carved. And I, you know, I think you have a lot to share. And I'm so glad that you took that that leap. And it's so funny before we got on here, uh, I realized Kelly and I are around the same age. And to think about how much longer you've been pursuing this, um, you know, I, I envy that, you know, <laughs> to some extent being able to like, know. you're like, yeah, this, I'm going to go for this. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm not sure that I would necessarily recommend that people do what I did, but not not that I think I did, you know, did anything wrong, but you know, when I look back, I think gosh, I was 22 or 23 when I saw my first client and I was just so excited about the power of astrology and what astrology could offer. And I had already done uh, training in remedial massage therapy, so I had that as a skill, and very shortly after starting to see clients, I did go and do a um, training program in holistic counseling. So that was a, a great thing that I could add in to my work. But yeah, it's, I think if you do, if you 
lucky enough to work with something you love and you do it for, a, you know, all day, every day, month in, month out, year in, year out, it just kind of, especially this type of work, it becomes fully sort of embedded and integrated within you. And uh, it's, yeah, I always say astrology rewards what you put into it, basically. Yeah. And I mean, now I put a lot into it, obviously. And you're absolutely right. Like every day it surprises me. It's just pure magic in many ways. So I'm glad, you know, I'm right there with you. I love to talk about it and, you know, pursue it as well because there's, ah, it's just a mystery that never ends. And I love it, Um, says the Scorpio rising. Okay. So yeah, totally. (laughs) Oh, so what are we talking about today? Well, I thought that uh, Kelly would be perfect to come on to talk about this Venus retrograde cycle. So we're going to be talking about Venus retrograde from scorpion to scales. Since we're having uh, our, we're about to have Venus retrograde here um, shortly this week as this, we're airing this a little early, but uh, Kelly, I've already forgotten the date. October 5th. Oh, October 5th. Yeah. October 6th in Australia. Um, I'll just grab my October uh, schedule, astro schedule sheet here. Yeah. Um, Venus will station retrograde at 10 Scorpio on Friday, October 5th, uh, late in the day in Canada and the States. And it'll be early Saturday morning if you're in Australia. So basically we get to October, another month, another retrograde. Uh, so <laughs> like we haven't had enough year. this year. My goodness. Just the story of this year. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, you know, well, let's talk about that actually. Uh, yeah. as we get started in here, just the nature of retrograde planets, uh, mm. in transit more so in the chart, you know, what, what are your thoughts on retrograde planets in, in general? Yeah. So a retrograde, I mean, it's a really special shift in a planet's cycle. Uh, It is the apparent backwards motion of a planet through the sky. So yes, we astrologers know that planets don't really go backwards, um, but the astrological perspective is the visual one as if we're standing on earth looking into the sky. And from that point of view, we do appear, we do see what is the apparent backwards motion of a different planet. And so there is, you know, all the rewords come out for retrograde, like repetition, redoing, reviewing, reassessing. But I also think most retrogrades, uh, because that it's literally a planet going over familiar territory, it's an opportunity to go back over and to then usually to go deeper with recent events. And so, you know, often in life we think about things moving forward and it's A, B, C, D, E. But when we have a retrograde, we sit in the same spot and it's like reversing up and down the street because you forgot something and you leave and <laughs> Thing and you go back, you know, it's, it's, there's a frustration because you're trying to get from A to B, but you get stuck in the space in between. And while to our modern mind, the idea of being stuck or treading water um, or standing still is a little bit frustrating, it has a purpose in the realm of the psyche or to do with our psychology and our soul. Because the way our psyche works, it needs time where no new stuff comes in so that we can process and integrate and understand whatever's just been going on. And the whatever's just been going on with Venus retrograde um, can take us as far back as eight years, depending on uh, the, the way we're looking at her cycle. And so these opportunities, retrogrades are really pivotal for reflection and for some quiet time. And the Venus retrograde is, is 
I don't know, she's my favorite retrograde out of the Mercury, Mars or Venus because her retrograde is the most rare. So it's the least frequent retrograde. And it is the length of time, that 40 days that Venus is retrograde is commonly associated with that idea of like 40 days in the desert. Mm -hmm. And so the idea of retreat or how long you need to change a habit or going on sabbatical, that six week period, which is approximately 42 days, kind of ties into the Venus retrograde period. Um, anyway, I'm diving a little ahead yeah. um, because <laughs> I'm so excited to talk about this. Retrograde planets, yeah, the biggest way to use a retrograde planet, if you're thinking, how is this going to affect me? There are two ways that you can think about this. One, think about the space in the zodiac, so the degrees in the zodiac that the planet will actually be reversing through. And whatever house that is in in your chart, or if you have any planets in that particular part of the zodiac, they're going to be sort of pulled in to that planet's retrograde cycle. And the other way to think about it is via the rulership method. So in the rulership method, we look at a planet's uh, rulership of the different houses and the planets rule houses through the signs that you have on your house cast. So for instance, if you have an Aries or even a Scorpio midheaven or 10th house, the Mars retrograde would have had a really strong impact on your career because Mars is your personal career planet. So with Venus going retrograde, if you have one of Venus's signs, Taurus or Libra, maybe it's on your 11th house of friendships, then when Venus is retrograde, a lot of that re-stuff, reviewing, reassessing, or even reconnecting, it's a good Venus retrograde word, that's going to be applicable specifically to friendships or social groups or networks. Um, So the other concept we get with the retrograde planets is the idea of delays or things um, slowing down or hitting a bit of a bump in the road. So I do think it's important to shift our expectations around pacing and around progress. It doesn't mean everything slows down when when one planet goes retrograde, but it means something in your life will. And the key is to kind of tune, tune that retrograde into your chart Um, For instance, for me personally, this Venus retrograde is going to happen in my ninth house of travel. And one thing I do a lot of is travel. And the the last few months I've been, I don't even know where I've been half the time. It's been, there's been a lot and it's been fun, (laughs) but it's like I come home, drop my bags. I mean, I've got this whole packing business down pat. Um, And my husband and I, we've got our routine. Okay, you're going, right? This this is all the prep and all of that stuff. But with Venus uh, retrograde in my ninth house, it's not that I won't be traveling, but actually I'm not flying. I actually do have one trip to take in this period, but I'll be going by train instead of by plane. And I'm actually really thrilled to be off the planes for a little while. So that's, that's not necessarily going to be relevant for all of you. But if any of you have Scorpio in your ninth house, then the Venus retrograde, the slowing down or the taking a break, going on pause will be relevant to ninth house topics. So I think I might've done more than answer your question. No, I like that. That's what I like about Kelly. She brings out all this information. You just just like osmosis in. Um, Luckily you will get a break because I'm sure, you know, traveling, it's taxing. It can can take a lot out of you uh, over, you know, a stretched out period of time. So much like you're saying with the whole idea of uh, nature of retrograde planets, like, Sometimes we just need to stop moving forward in a certain area so that we can catch yes. 
breath and reassess, you know, the direction as we move forward once again there. Um, so yeah, absolutely. That makes a lot of sense. Um, so now in, now let's talk about Venus. Like what is, you know, you know, we know what retrograde planets are doing within relation to the planet itself. So let's talk about our planet, uh, our gal Venus and what, what does she represent? So she is so many things. Um, I often say this about Venus and about the moon, which are two planets that I think are completely underappreciated in modern astrology. Venus has been studied since antiquity. After the sun and moon, Venus is like the main planet that the ancients really focused on and her cycles and her retrogrades have captured the imaginations of humans for eons. And part of that reason is that Venus is the brightest thing in the sky after the sun and moon. So she has real, and I always say when you're trying to get familiar with the actual sky, Venus is the planet that looks like twinkle, twinkle, little star. She looks exactly like you would imagine this bright celestial diamond type energy. So there's a piece there about light, but Venus's um, symbolism, if you like, is very much to do with the feminine version of light or the feminine essence or the feminine way. And so with Venus going retrograde, there's an opportunity here to kind of slow down to explore the feminine way, which usually means moving at the pace of guidance. So that's moving at the pace of kind of your your um, intuition or your feeling. It's a very feminine thing to say, I feel it in my waters type of thing. <laughs> you know, you've got a sense about something, even though you might not be able to logically or rationally explain mm-hmm. it. And I always say, you know, with, with the feminine energy of Venus, that applies to anyone, regardless of gender identity. You know, there is a feminine style of doing things. And so one other key thing with Venus is to get into your inner flow, to kind of step back from, you know, Venus is, can be a social butterfly. She is about unification. She likes to pull people and things together. But when she's on a break, uh, when she's retrograde, she doesn't have as much to give to others. And it's like she's sitting in the cave on the mountain and she's just opted to seclude or isolate herself, not permanently, but for a temporary period to undergo a process of transformation. And we see it represented in the sky where through her retrograde, she switches from being a morning star to an evening star or from an evening star to a morning star. So she she's, she's visible in say the evening sky and then she becomes invisible for a period of time. And that's the retrograde where symbolically we're all in the cave. And then when she emerges, she comes out, you know, in the morning instead of in the evening. So there's a different quality to her. So the process of Venus is really about arousing that sense of femininity, of attractiveness, of bonding. There's a lot that comes up about how you relate to other people. And there's also a lot that comes up about self-worth with Mm -hmm. Venus. What do I deserve? And, you know, how are we expressing that? How does our sense of deservedness affect our choices in relationship? Because if you don't have a sense of being deserving, if you have a lack of self-worth and you don't think you deserve of being respected or being treated you know, properly, then you're going to make some choices that are in line with that lack of self-worth. Mm-hmm. So there's a, there's a lot of deep layers that come up with Venus. Like we often say, oh, she's beauty and love and romance and fun and parties, but she's, she's much more powerful, I think, than just that, those three or four keywords. 
Yeah, no, I, to- I totally agree. Uh, I totally agree because Venus, Venus has been one of the hardest planets to wrap my mind around in my okay. whole astrological journey. And maybe, um, well, it actually, actually speaks to my chart uh, <laughs> a little bit as far as why that might be. I won't go, I won't digress. However, um, yeah, because it, it, it is, it's, it's not as clear cut. It's much like feminine. It's like a receptivity, you know, that power of that mystery That's that I was talking about. Venus would. Yeah. That, you know, there's a mystery there to, to it. And that, that's the beauty, but that's also what makes it hard to kind of pin down in a way. Um, and I found it interesting because of course I'm looking at tales of Venus retrograde as I prepare to talk to you, you know, like something that might've stood out as significant to to me, um, actually from a wonderful book, uh, by Aaron Sullivan, um, which is about the retrograde planets, which planets, I'll share, yeah. yeah, planets in retrograde, which I'll share a link on my blog. Um, but she was talking about how in Mesoamerica in for the Aztecs and the Mayans, they were very, you know, keyed into the, the Venus retrograde cycle and they considered it as a, when she was to station and go retrograde, she was in her male form, in her warrior form. Um, and then she would get burnt by the combustion of the sun, like you're saying, where it goes into that cave and we can't see her so that she can be, you know, transformed and rebirthed in a way. And on the other end, when she was to station direct, she was reborn. She essentially was reborn as a female. And I just thought that that was very interesting, like that process of, you know, the, the, the male energy that is rebirthed being female because it kind of taps into the idea of Venus uh, and the element of the whole, like wholeness or yeah. something. Because um, she's, she's known for her like diplomatic kind of qualities, right? The diplomacy of things and, you know. Anyways, I found that yeah. interesting, Kelly. <laughs> no, it's super interesting. And it's, it, it reminds me too that um, when you look at Venus in a birth chart and it, if you can identify, if you know how to look and say, oh, this is a morning star Venus versus this is an evening star Venus, there is a very different tone. Venus morning star in a chart is much more independent. There is almost like a warrior goddess in the morning star version of Venus. She's like a feisty, you know, independent, you know, very sort of strong-minded version of herself. And then in the evening star, it's a little bit more typically Venusian in terms of being collaborative or open to compromise, that type of thing. So, and these are the nuances, if you like, in the Venus cycle. Um, Erin Sullivan's book on retrograde planets is fantastic. And for people who really want to get into all the different phase versions of Venus, Adam Gainsbourg wrote a beautiful book called The Light of Venus. Um, because, you know, we always think about the moon having eight different phases and then eight modern phases because to the ancients, the moon actually had about 11 phases. But Adam's identified, I think, 12 or 14. I can't remember the exact 13, number. 13, right in the 13, middle. 13, <laughs> right there you go, of course. The feminine number, 13 phases of, um, of Venus. So depending on is she more morning star and, and direct or morning star and retrograde, how close to the sun is she? All of these different iterations. So there is so much to do with her cycle. Yeah, absolutely. And I was going to share that book as well. So we're totally on the same page as, yes. as looking at that. And uh, yeah, I was born during the immersion phase, which, uh, you know, if you think about it, like, you know, have 
uh, my Venus, you know, by progression is constantly moving towards the sun. You know, she's going yes. in, <laughs> she's yes. going in to meet that. Um, and that really plays into my life. I have to say on, on some level. So there was definitely some insight I got from that book. So highly recommended to, you know, you know, if you need a different uh, angle to look at Venus or any angle really. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, yes. So many good books. Oh my so gosh. many I've good books. Talk about Venus all night. I know. Well, if you do have any more Venus books to share, you know, feel free to feel free to throw them in there because I like to, you know, turn people on to, you know, ways to, you know, just learn more about things. Well, and I think this is not explicitly a book about the planets, but Deborah Holding's book, Houses, Temples of the Sky, <laughs> is so good. It should be required reading for all um, astrologers, basically, especially when we're pulling our understandings of things together. And she connects a little bit of the meaning of the houses to the planets that have their joy in those houses. Mm -hmm. And this is another way that has helped me really understand Venus is that she has her joy. So she feels really comfortable in the fifth house in the chart. And the fifth house is traditionally a house of play and pleasure and romance and fertility. And so there is a part of Venus that is about enjoyment. And I always think of Venus as being about life's little luxuries. So it's, you know, those little extra sweet things that we can add into our experience. Maybe it's a nice scarf or a comfortable pair of socks or pants or that extra really fabulous, luxurious chocolate that you're going to treat yourself to. She is those little things that just um, maybe grease the wheels a bit, but add those moments of sweetness. And so I think that's part of, part of getting to know your Venus is getting to know what are those, what are your personal iterations of sweetness and pleasure and indulgence? And then knowing that you're worthy enough to have them. So Uh, treating yourself to those. That last part, that last part is, (laughs) yeah, because we all have our own pleasure principle in some way, you know, what what speaks to us. Um, But then also if we allow ourselves uh, to be deserving of that, to indulge because, you know, Venus, it can be indulgent in some ways. Uh, And not everyone is set up. Like, I feel like I'm one of those people, (laughs) the Capricorn and the Virgo and stuff to be indulgent, you know, (laughs) more, less likely to do so. Um, But I think that's where, for me at least, uh, that Venus lesson can come in there because we're all deserving, you know, like that's, that's a key lesson to learn in life, especially for those who struggle with worth issues. Yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. How do you like to pamper yourself? And, uh, it looks different for everyone. Um, yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's an opportunity with Venus, generally, well, we can, but certainly Venus retro. Yeah. Yeah. So we can look at those types of things during this cycle as well, you know, getting in touch with, because sometimes the things that give us pleasure don't, you know, expire. And that's the thing that I found interesting about Venus, uh, because I was he- seeing her um, likened to, you know, a, a wind flower where she, you know, the, the idea of love and, and pleasure is going the way of the wind because it's not guaranteed, you know, it it has its own cycle and its own life cycle there. So I'm wondering if part of the retrograde process is getting in touch with, you know, what still gives us pleasure to some extent. Mm, That's a really great concept, Mel, because I do think that's the whole point of a planetary retrograde is to kind of reassess and reflect how we're using that planet in our life. And yeah, with Venus being about pleasure, it's a good time to ask yourself, is what I think 
will give me pleasure still giving me pleasure? Or have I kind of outgrown? Am I done with that? And is there something new that might actually satisfy me more that I need to maybe open myself up to? Ah, open yourself up to, because that's another thing with Venus is, you know, you have to be open to something. She's receptive. She's receptive. Yeah. She is. I mean, and, and the feminine sort of vessel is a receptive vessel. So it's, it's not penetrating like a Mars vessel because the Mars vessel has more of that. Um, I mean, even the symbol has the arrow on it. It's that like I'm going out to penetrate or to pierce something, you know, to, or to attack with Mars as well. Um, but Venus is, I mean, even the idea of Venus with all her adornments, you know, it's the makeup or the nice clothing or the beautiful perfume, or I've baked this nice meal and doesn't it smell good and taste good. And these are all ways um, of evoking the Venusian magnetism, because if you're a receptive vessel, you're looking to draw in. And so that's where all the adornment sort of comes from. They're tools of pulling in, tools as part of that receptive dance, if you like. Yeah, I love it. So, all right. So we're talking about Venus here. Now let's talk about Venus retrograde in Scorpio. Scorpios. And then Libra, of course, but in Scorpios yeah. where we're stationing here. So what, what are your thoughts on Venus in, in her, not one of her favorite signs? <laughs> no, I mean, I think, yes, yeah, so Venus is technically in detriment in Scorpio. And it doesn't mean Venus is bad in Scorpio, but it does mean that there is a little bit of a misfit between Venus's desire to unify unify and bring together and the nature of Scorpio, which is traditionally ruled by Mars and has more of that probing truth oriented, like obsessed with the depth at all costs almost. And so Venus in Scorpio, there is, I mean, Venus kind of has, she has to adopt the Scorpio way in Scorpio. That's the whole point of planets moving into different signs. So she's trying to create connection and collaboration, but she is on a mission to uncover truths or buried hidden uh, things. Now, those hidden things could be a, a type of pleasure, whether it's a sexual pleasure or just a pleasure in life. She might be wanting to uncover an emotional truth here. Now, in Scorpio, we want to know things regardless of whether knowing those things hurts us or causes a little bit of pain. Yeah. You know, I always think of that line from the movie like, I want the truth. You can't handle the truth. truth. Yeah, right? (laughs) I love it. But but in Scorpio, I mean, any planet in Scorpio can handle the truth. The the amount of time I've had a parent in my consulting room and we're looking at their child's chart and their child's got a really strong Scorpio signature, I'm like, you need to be really honest with this child because they will pick up Venus in Scorpio particularly. She knows what's going on. She's got a felt visceral kind of sensation about the undercurrents. And so we're looking to try and get more conscious on those, the deeper waters, you know, um, I often think about Scorpio as like the still waters run deep and we're all going into those deeper waters. It can look very dark and murky and scary from the top looking in. Once you're in it, it can actually be a little bit more comforting than you expect, but it can certainly be quite revelatory in terms of opening you up to things that you might not have known, you didn't know, but you can actually benefit from coming to understand. So Venus in Scorpio is very interested in things like loyalty, truth and trust. So that's part of where the honesty comes from is it's better to be upfront with Venus in Scorpio, even if it's a bit awkward 
And Venus in Scorpio is going to have us talking about some of our deepest fears and vulnerabilities. We're going to be like almost piercing into what it is we think prevents us bonding because that's, I think Venus in Scorpio has a fear around not being able to bond as deeply or as intensely as she might like. Mm. And because we're all going to get a taste of this, we all get a chance to explore what about us do we think helps us get get close to other people, but how do we sometimes get in our own way? And so there is like Venus is taking on a version of the warrior in Scorpio, but the warrior in Scorpio is different from the, the Aries Mars warrior. Um, the warrior in Scorpio is, is fairly wise and knows to pause before diving in. And so the idea of exploration or investigation into the heart and into the kind of soul um, or the meat of relationships is a huge part of what this Venus retrograde in Scorpio is about. Mm, yes. All, all that, all that. <laughs> well, all all those of that. Um, well, I like, what are your thoughts, Mel? Yeah. Well, I just wanted to share, I shared with this right uh, with you right before we got on. And I actually did a little Instagram post on it because today as we're recording this, they're having the, the hearings and washing with um, uh, Ford and Kavanaugh and, you know, Christine Ford's coming out to share things from the past um, yes. that were long buried and hidden deep and are difficult to talk about, yet she's, uh, you know, almost in some ways sacrificing herself for the good of other people because yes. her life has been turned around um, by putting out, you know, sexual assault that happened so many years ago. And here she is, you know, speaking on it today in a vulnerable position um, because it's one thing to deal with those types of things on the inside, but once you, you know, like actually speak them and like bring them out into the ether, you know, like that's, there's a release there too. And I think that might be part of Venus and Scorpio that's going on too, if we're able to go to those depths, that release that can come out. But what I found was so interesting because I just had a, a sneaking suspicion that this played into like at least the political sphere or the, you know, kind of justice that uh, um, Venus can represent or that kind of diplomatic, um, you know, signature mm. that at the time of the, as the hearing was starting at 10 AM in Washington, DC, and today is September 27th, I believe. I hope so. <laughs> uh, yes. That uh, the ascendant of the moment was exactly conjunct Venus and nine degrees Scorpio. And so I just feel like this is just one of the examples of some of the, some of the, at least, um, you know, world sphere that we're going to be, you know, seeing uh, because this issue has been on the table for quite some time now as Jupiter has been in Scorpio and now we have Uranus uh, in Taurus, which is also kind of, you know, uprising some, you know, feminine energy in that regard too, which is, you know, Taurus ruled by Venus. Um, And then Venus will make her opposition to Uranus in the retrograde cycle as well. And so, I don't know, I just think the storyline is very much playing in line with a lot of, maybe even what we've experienced why Jupiter was in Scorpio. Or is, yeah, I think you you make some really good points there, Mel, about the context in which this particular Venus retrograde in Scorpio is happening. We have had Jupiter tilling the soil, if you like, working that Scorpio territory since October 2017. And that's a little unusual to have Venus retrograde in a sign where we still have Jupiter as well. And I wonder if that is adding the larger social context, if you like, to the particular themes or threads. Because Venus in Scorpio is about power imbalances and power dynamics in sexual situations. It's about power dynamics in relationship situations, but Scorpio has long had 
have this connection to, to sexuality and sexual intimacy as well. And so having Jupiter there is definitely adding, you know, maybe the, the, the justice piece or the collective kind of quality. We've also got, as you beautifully mentioned, Uranus in Taurus. And that is Uranus in Taurus historically has triggered independence and new freedoms around women's issues and women's topics. So that is something when you look back every 82 or 84 years when Uranus is in Taurus, we get these changes in society and culture that actually give women the opportunity to stand up and gain more freedom or gain more independence. And so there is an interesting sort of correlation, if you like, between having some of these larger cycles going on But it is interesting too that we're coming into this Venus retrograde in Scorpio on the back of that Mars retrograde. So to have, you know, these sort of two strong retrogrades and both Venus and Mars in different ways speak to sexual um, energy, sexual experiences and the the masculine feminine dance, if you like. So it's, it's, I mean, I know collectively there's been some really difficult topics that have been brought out into the open this year, but it seems to be very resonant with what the skies are asking us to be reflecting on and, and questioning whether we want more of this or we want less of this or we want to change something. And that's, that's ultimately, whether you think collectively or individually, the process of a retrograde is that process of alchemical transformation. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, if we think about it and we're, we're looking at Venus in, in Scorpio and we're thinking about Uranus and Taurus, there's, there's a, you know, it's uncomfortable. This is uncomfortable to talk about, you know, within, you know, one-on-one within the sphere of, of the world. Like this is the thing is it's, it's kind of shaking that out and that vulnerability out so that we can be uncomfortable to actually talk about these things for a moment so that, you know, you know, we're never going to move past something, um, or, you know, or uh, cultivate a higher worth of something, if we want to think about Venus, until we address the issues, basically. Um, So I just found it very, you know, it was kind of perfect. And then to think of her coming back into Libra. So she's going to retrograde back into Libra. Um, and you know, here, here we are, we're talking about hearings and court hearings and very, <laughs> you know, li- yeah. Libran. Um, so, I mean, what do you, what is your take on Venus in her, in one of her signs? Yeah, I do think it changes the Venus retrograde vibe. Um, I think the, the justice piece, we get a bit of a continuing, continuing thread there because Jupiter has a lot to do with justice. So to have Venus retrograde in the same sign as Jupiter for a period and then to have Venus retrograde in the sign of Libra for another portion, we have got these themes about um, the legalities and the court cases and, and the justice system, if you like, coming through. Um, so there's there's those things. But, yeah, the tenor or the tone, Venus retrograde in Scorpio versus Venus retrograde in Libra, completely different. Chalk and cheese, basically, chalk and cheese. <laughs> Uh, and so I'm actually really looking forward to November. It's one of my kind of highlight months for 2018, partly because Jupiter goes into Sag, but I do think there is an opportunity to be more expressive with Venus retrograde in Libra. And Venus backtracks into Libra on the night of October 31st. So basically we'll have the Halloween, uh, Salwyn celebration, I should say, um, Beltane if you're in Australia, and that crossing of that threshold uh, mirrors the Venus backtracking into into Libra. So it's not that the, the reassessment of relationship, that doesn't go away, but it takes on a different tone. There's maybe less rawness or less 
kind of deal with the uncomfortable part. That's more of the Venus in Scorpio portion. But Venus in Libra is the collaboration or the how can we compromise? How can we find maybe a workable solution? Where are we going to go forward or how do we move forward based on all the digging we've just done? Because um, I do think Venus retrograde in Scorpio, the the image that comes to mind is like digging, you know, and you're digging up all sorts of stuff. You don't know what's been buried in the garden, where the skeletons are, or where the buried treasure is, and you've got to go and dig for it all. And you've got to find a mix of both. You've got to find some skeletons and yeah. some buried treasure. Um, and that's symbolically, that's that's what you're doing in your psyche. You're like, oh my god, that skeleton, that you know, debris, or that toxic gunk from a previous betrayal or broken trust, or you know where you were wounded, or you're carrying the pain. And and the, the forward hearings are um, a really great example of that because this we can't really say why she's chosen to speak out now. It's wonderful that she has. and But she has obviously had to really fight something inside of her to be so vocal and expressive about a pain that she has carried inside her for such a long time. And we may or may not have experiences on the same scale of what she has been through, but we all have these experiences where we have felt betrayed or not good enough or taken advantage of or dominated in a situation that made us feel uncomfortable. And it's the Venus in retrograde in Scorpio is processing all of that. Whereas the Venus retrograde in Libra, for some people it will be about seeking justice or seeking to rebalance the scales. Mm -hmm. And that may happen through the legal system. It may happen just in our personal lives where we realize we need to address something with someone that we've gone, we've let fest up for too long. Um, but I think that it, it does feel lighter, but it's more about expressive um, discussion, it, like talking about it and, um, you know, really getting the other, getting all the, the different pieces together and pulling some sort of context out of it. Yeah. Like I, maybe part of uh, the retrograde through Scorpio is finding, digging up the grievance and then, yes. and then airing it out basically once it hits into, into Libra, um, where we're like, we, we decide, we're like, okay, we got to talk this out. I got to present my case. You present your case. Let's meet in the middle. How are we going to be? Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah, what, and that's what I think the Venus retro in Libra is. Um, and it's two, about two weeks because I think Venus, sta- off the top of my head, she stations direct around the 14th or 15th of November. Right. And she's come all the way back. Or oh, 16th. Yeah. At least and she's my code. <laughs> on the Pacific. My <laughs> yeah. Um, it's so tricky. So we'll say 16th, 17th because that'll cover our different time zones yes. and she'll be back at 25 Libra. So she is going to station direct very close to the fixed star speaker or spiker, which is a star about knowledge and wisdom. Um, and so there is sort of that, that's why I think this Venus retrograde is really building into a revelation of sorts. Mm. We gather, whether it's just a piece of self-awareness or self-knowledge, or we gather some understanding that puts into context um, an external experience. But there is, it's a really rich process if you're prepared to sit in the gunk a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. That, that makes a lot of sense. And so um, I wanted to talk about the shadow period a little bit, but I think I I almost think I want to talk about more about how, you know, the last time Venus retrograde. Oh yes. Yeah. I think that's, that's probably because it seems to segue through that. Um, and I mean, before we discuss it, you know, Part of that lies in the fact that Venus and its retrograde cycle, she has a very beautiful pattern that she makes, right? You know, like uh, how she does the dance and why every eight years we revisit a certain sign in a spot. 
Um, yes. So shall we talk a little bit about that? Yes, we absolutely should. I actually realize I might have a visual that we could throw up on this. Um, I don't know if I can get the screen from you to throw it up. I wish I was a little more... uh, Oh, hang on. I might just be able to do it. with some of this. No, I got it. Here we go. You got it? Can you you see that on the screen? I do. Okay, so this is the five-pointed star, the pentagram, I think is the technical name, but someone correct me if I've got that wrong. I think it's also the pentangle. Pentangle, yeah. I think it can be either one. Okay, yeah. (laughs) I mean, the key is it's got five points. And because Venus does retrograde basically just in five places in the Zodiac. And if you connect the dots between those five points that she has her retrogrades, you do end up with this beautiful five-pointed star. So this is considered to be a Venusian symbol, if you like. Um, And the tracing of her retrograde cycle through the heavens, that's something that going back to the ancient Babylonians, they looked at. And so this is a cycle that people have studied since antiquity. And it takes Venus about eight years to um, return to the retrograde in the same sign, essentially. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, we've got Venus retrograde in Scorpio. She's going to start her retrograde about 10 Scorpio in October 2018, which means that eight years ago, October 2010, Venus would have started her retrograde about 12 degrees of Scorpio. So it kind of just moves back by a couple of degrees, but it's definitely in very close to that same point in the same sign. So this is this sets up the eight-year pattern of Venus retrograde cycles. I know Venus goes retrograde every 18 months, but you really see the energetic resonance from eight years to eight years. Mm-hmm. And so that, like really September, October, November 2010, you can cast your mind back to events and circumstances and even people that were really significant in your life at that point. And you will notice a resonance now, September, October, November 2018. And the other way to think, so sometimes it's about resolving or clearing things that started back then. Other times things got neglected back then that you might want to resurrect or reactivate. But the other way to think about it too, is that this period late 2010 and late 2018 is like bookended. It's a chapter in your life that kind of is coming full circle. And so thinking back, yeah, where was I in 2010? What was I doing? What was happening? Um, How have I moved on from that? Am I still stuck in those things in some ways? Because one of the things I do think Venus in Scorpio, Venus retrograde in Scorpio is good for is the purge and purify, the releasing of things that are festering or aren't flowing smoothly. Um, A physical symptom in health astrology that's often connected to Scorpio is constipation. And not that I'm suggesting we're all about to get constipated, (laughs) but I feel like it's it's Scorpio with Venus there. It's a little bit more of like an emotional or an energetic stuckness. And so being aware of where the blockage might be and then attending to what is going to clear things out. So there may be some, some decluttering or purging, but it's somehow tied to or reflective of events from that late 2010 period. Yeah. And you know, what's funny is uh, luckily, Kelly, I started to uh, journal around that time and I've been journaling ever since. So I, before I thought I would oh, take a look, I thought I would take a look and see what was going on. I was actually surprised at all the stuff that was going on. Um, 
So I have some personal things. And then I also have like a worldly event that I thought was interesting. Lovely. Yes. Um, So personally, some little key points to hit on. Apparently that was a very active time in my life. Um, (laughs) Well, I was in a relationship that was on and off and not necessarily going well. And I was actually dealing with some jealousy or like envy of, of an ex of, of the person ah. and you know, how Scorpio is that? Um, and very, Scorpio very rising, cool. you know, let's yeah. not pretend as people with Scorpio energy, we have to, you know, we have to deal with some of these things. It's part, it's power for the course. <laughs> um, yes. and so there was that going on. Um, there was, that, that was the time I had my first yoga lesson out of, you know, and, and keep in mind, this wow. is house, you know, if I'm Scorpio rising and so the body, you're know, taking care of the body the and body. I, I, yep. you know, not consistently, but I've been doing yoga ever since on some level. Excellent. Um, I had, I had lived by myself for a very long time and I opened my house to roommates at that time. Which wow. is also interesting, you know, being a cancer from maybe a solar perspective, retrograding back into Libra, which is fourth house for, you know, cancer, a cancer set up there. So <laughs> that was interesting. Um, and two more things that were probably the most, one of the most significant. Yeah, see, very active. I don't know what was going on here. Um, so one thing was I discovered uh, I had a dream about some pens and some paper. And it was such a, poignant dream that I decided to go buy the color pens and some paper and just do something. Like I didn't know what I was going to do. Um, and I, and I ended up create, starting to create some artwork that like this mosaic pen type of drawing. I've never drawn in my life. It's like I unearthed some type of hidden treasure that was there. And then for a period of time, all of a sudden I was this artist making these crazy things. I had no idea that I had in me, you know, wow. <laughs> And I so love that. It was, it was cool. And that was a fun thing to look back upon, um, that that was there. Uh, and it was also a time where I was having energetically this thing over my head where I could feel it. I just felt energy over my head. Mm. And I went to this, um, like psychic, uh, the psychic reading place where they, every Monday or every first Monday of the month, they would uh, have people come in. They're like training their psychics, <laughs> basically. Yes. And that was a way to bring the public in and just, you know. Um, and so I asked them about it. And uh, all they said was they saw my name in lights and that I had this, I had to pursue my spiritual path um, because that was basically what was being born in me right now. This is the yes. time that I started to do all the, you know, tarot, astrology. This is also the time that I decided to do my bands when I got into music. And, you know, I was playing in a band at that time where I reassessed during the retrograde of whether or not I wanted to put my time into that or do my own band. How, oh my goodness. And so that's enough. That's all that's, but that's plenty. Isn't that crazy? It's like so much symbolism. I mean, you've got the arts and the creativity. So, I mean, Venus is about how we make things beautiful or how we add beauty to the world. And so it was in your first house. It was very literal about your own creativity. And then the body stuff with yoga, I think that's fantastic. And then the writing with the, with the books and the papers and the drawing and the pens and pencils. I mean, it is just, 
really it, interesting. And now I'm like, okay, well, we need more of that. Like, how can you take that to the next level this time Exactly. Around? And that's kind of what we're saying here is if we look back to that, you know, period eight years ago, it's giving us some insight into, you know, this, where the story might pick back up. Yes. And so this is actually a really good tip because even if you don't know your chart that well, you will know that you're, you will be able to remember what was happening in your life in that late 2010 period. And so if all you do is connect the dots between what you tried to get going then or what you dabbled in then that maybe you can take to another level now, that's how simple working with some of these cycles can be. And I think the other point that just occurred to me when you were talking there, Mel, the last time we had the Venus retro in Scorpio, actually Jupiter has not been back like it's, this is the only time Jupiter has been in Scorpio since then. So there is sort of a, it's almost like there may be some latent stuff or neglected stuff from that time that Jupiter in Scorpio has been awakening since October, 2017. And that can be really brought into fruition through October because October has got this really unique energy because that's when Venus is retro in Scorpio only basically. Mm. And we have the last mu- last full month of Jupiter in Scorpio. Yeah. So, yeah, I love that. The art, the beauty, and then your home. Like, do I share my home with people or do I not? Yeah. And I was having conflicting feelings as I was, you know, getting it prepped and ready. And I was switching rooms. I was moving from room to room in my house. And yes, uh, you know which was funny because I actually ended up saving a lot of money. I went from paying for everything to paying for a very little amount. And so that, that was good. That was nice. <laughs> yes. Yes. But you know what I found? Which I think it's good that you share that, Mel, because I think some people really worry about Venus retrograde as being a bad thing. I mean, and you've said there that you made some changes and there were some improvements and benefits. And I think that's the whole point. When we have to make changes, it's not just to stress us out and make us anxious. The whole point of change is to get to a place that is is somehow better for you. Um, And there's some really good examples there. Well, if we liken it back to the idea of opening up, (laughs) opening up to change, you know, I really wasn't that the change was going to be bad. I just had to go through the process of where I opened myself up to it. Um, And you don't know until you live it, live it out. Basically, you just got to roll with the punches and be receptive to what it is that you, um, you know, you encounter. But I found it very interesting just to play off of our, uh, you know, our, uh, Ford and Kavanaugh discussion that's going on now during yeah. the retrograde, uh, back in 2010, that's when the California judge, um, ordered the government to stop enforcing the don't ask, don't tell in the military, ah. and, uh, you know, for, um, you know, uh, people that were serving, uh, in, in the military that were like, had to keep yeah. a secret, you know, it, it didn't pan out, you know, it, it, it had its issues through the retrograde and, you know, just over time. But I just thought that was interesting that that is another type of facet that came up during that last retrograde, at least on a political level. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that's so key because, we, we shouldn't really kind of shy away from the idea that Venus in Scorpio is very much about sexuality and it's about, can we be open about our sexuality? Can we not be open? And so I think a lot of us, you know, whether there are larger issues connected to your sexuality and your sexual freedoms or not, this experience is really about looking to create more 
integration, but also more integrity around that. And Mm. so it's no surprise that there was such a big ruling, if you like, around that don't ask, don't tell policy. So it it was repealed at that time? It was, uh, what it was, was uh, Judge Virginia Phillips of California ordered the government to stop enforcing the don't ask, don't tell. Right. Okay. Um, So it Okay. Which basically, it forbid gays and lesbians from opening, uh, from openly serving in the the military. It's basically like you can be part of the military, but you're not. You can't be yourself. <laughs> which right. Talking about integrity, that doesn't really work out too well. Um, but you know, it was it was fought in the ban. Like they put it out there, but of course, the federal appeals court temporarily stalled it. On uh, you know, we're talking about retrograde there. Um, they yes. make that decision. Um, so it, it, you know, it took a while for that you know, back and forth, you know, but regardless, the, the top very topic itself was brought up and it was brought up yes. in a way that had to do, you know, we're talking about a judge. We're once again talking about the courts and, and stuff along yes. those lines. So I thought that was interesting. Absolutely. Absolutely. And there's so much in the, in the collective conversation at the moment about sexuality that I think we're just going to see more and more of this coming through. I mean, Scorpio is a sign where secrets are kept and things are buried deeply and buried, you know, into extreme darkness. And when we have a bright planet like Venus go into Scorpio, we are getting that sense of a light coming into the darkness, which means we're starting to shine a light on or see things or hear about things that might have been hidden to us previously, or that we might've just been oblivious to. And now we get awakened to. Mm, I like that. So, all right. So, so we don't go too long here. I do want to Throw yes. in real quick with the shadow period, you know, yeah. the idea that Venus retrogrades happening from October 5th to, you know, or 6th, you know, depending on where you are in the world, uh, yep. to, uh, uh, November 16th or 17th. But we have that shadow period that started back in early September, September 2nd, um, and it goes through December 16th. So you have any quick words and, you know, why isn't it over yet? Why does it start early? Totally, totally. I mean, most of it comes down from understanding how we experience the planets moving in the sky. And just like if you're in your car, even if you hit the brakes, it takes a little while for the car to actually stop. And that's what's happening in the, in the shadow period before the retrograde. Venus has symbolically hit the brake, so she is slowing down. Um, and then in the post-retrograde period, she's starting to go faster. She's building up to her normal speed, but it takes her a little while to get there. So that's part of the piece. But the other component is that the period in the sky, the zodiac, if you like, from 25 Libra to 10 Scorpio, the, that's where Venus will retrograde. She moves through that period first in a direct motion. It's slowing down. Then she hits a retrograde and then she backtracks through that same part of the sky, ends her retrograde and finally comes back through for a third time over that same part of the zodiac. And the shadow period are those direct um, passages that happen immediately before and after the retrograde. And they're significant because they are the the uh, pre-retrograde shadow is like the preview or the preparation. And so when we talk about Venus going retrograde on October 5th, uh, you already have a sense of the territory or the topics that you're going to be diving into because they're the stuff that you were just dealing with in the three or four weeks leading up to that 
while Venus went forward but slowly over that particular part of the zodiac. Then she retrogrades back and it's like, let's dive in, let's pull all these things apart, let's, you know, dig up the backyard, proverbially speaking. Then, you know, we're going forward at the end there and she is still going over that same territory. That's why it's such an intense period. Three passages of Venus over the same part of the sky. That's unusual. And that's why if you have planets or you have an angle, like your ascendant or your midheaven at late Libra, 25, 26, 27, 28, 29 Libra, or zero to 10 Scorpio, Venus is going back and forward. So you you can't make one choice and be done with it. You've got to make your choice, try it out, reassess, go again, two steps forward, one step back. So the shadow period does set up, it, it extends the time frame of the retrograde if you like, but it gives you a more complete picture of what's actually going on during that retrograde time. Perfect. Yes. Yes. So the shadow is very important because like Kelly said, you know, we're just, we're backing up, we're moving forward. <laughs> like we're just revisiting it over and over. And essentially that's 100%. what's going on. Um, so, you know, what have we learned here? Uh, you know, what, what are, do you have any closing, uh, you know, food for thought or, or a tip around working with Venus retrograde? I know we talked about one briefly, earlier. Yeah. I mean, I do, I always think about, you know, 40 days in the desert with Venus retrograde. So I do think about creating some sort of, you know, six week or 40 day type of ritual that is about, uh, maybe giving something up, like, you know, going on a little bit of a, you know, not a a deprivation thing, but it's almost like you want, you know, to take some of the the Venus out of your life and then you you get more thoughtful about what types of Venus you want to add back in. Like Mm -hmm. if you eat too much sweets, this can be a good time to think about cutting back. If you think that you're spending too much frivolously, this can be a good time to think about cutting back. You you want to question the pleasure principle for you. And I I think the larger theme is that uh, less is more. So less larger group events, more smaller intimate events, less doing for others. Um, A little bit of a, a tagline I have here is that it's a time to kind of reconnect with and express your desires rather than dealing with duties all the time. And so the reflection will be so critical to help you with that. Yes. Oh, I love it, Kelly. Thank you so much for sharing all this wonderful knowledge. Uh, So you have a lot of knowledge to share and I know you do many things. So tell people where they can find you, um, you know, if you have courses going on and all that stuff. Yeah. Well, funnily enough, I have two things going on late October. We've got my next online astrology class, which is on relationship astrology. And that'll start. (laughs) um, I know I kind of just you know, you have to fit things into the schedule. And I was like, oh, that'll be nice to do when Venus is retro. Perfect. But that's, um, the live classes are Monday nights, Eastern time. And that the class starts on October 29th. If you can't make the live class, that's absolutely fine. Everybody gets access to the online portal and you'll get video downloads and everybody gets the reading, uh, the homework exercises, the class discussions. So that'll start October 29 and there'll be four sessions. Um, so that'll finish up just before the Thanksgiving week. 
weekend for everyone in the States. And the other big event, actually, we've got a few, but I'll limit it. Um, we've got uh, a <laughs> full astrolog- schedule, Kelly, full schedule. Full schedule. Yeah, there's, there's always a lot, but I love it. I mean, it's, it's such a joy. Um, Astrology University is hosting a summit, an astrology summit on destiny and the birth chart and astrology and figuring out who you are. And that's actually the last weekend in October. So October 27th and 28th. Uh, registration for both my four-week relationship astrology class and the astrology summit is open now. Um, and you can find info about both of those things via my website, which is kellysastrology.com. And you can also follow me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. I'm much better on Twitter than anything else because I definitely am a words girl, but I'm learning more about how to get those words onto Instagram. But uh, <laughs> I look forward to connecting with people out in the internet land. Perfect. And if any of you missed that, I will also have all those things on my blog too, so that you know, you'll know you be directed in the right direction. Because I highly recommend studying with Kelly because uh, she has a practical application to things that could, you know, it, I don't know, it's just the way my mind works. And I found it very helpful to study with you. So recommend it. (laughs) Um, So where can you find me? Well, you can find me at energeticprinciples.com and also on Instagram and Facebook where I'm I'm more active on the Instagram. I'm I'm a pictures person. Yes. Um, (laughs) It's it's interesting, isn't it? Like I realized in the beginning, why do I like Twitter so much? I'm like, I'm such a word nerd. Yeah. And then I have these beautiful creative people like yourself, Mel, who are so much more visual. And I, I just think it's lovely how people kind of go to where they naturally feel comfortable. Yeah. Well, luckily there's a platform for us all. So that's, that's true. Yes. <laughs> um, so you can find me there at Energetic Principles. It all, all is the same there. Um, and if you're interested in uh, helping to support and appreciate the podcast, I am on Patreon where I do um, bi-monthly moon horoscopes and also my tarot subscription, which is a weekly um, tarot spread that I offer. So you can check that out at patreon.com backslash energetic principles. Um, And if you like what you heard here today, you know, share it with a friend, spread the good word, you know, help us, you know, get astrology out there. Five stars on iTunes. (laughs) Kelly said it. I didn't say it. But I'm, I'll back her. <laughs> yes. Because it, it helps. It does make a difference. It really makes a difference. It really does. And I have gotten some recently. Um, so thank you for all, anybody that has done it. Because, you know, sometimes you don't have to say anything. You just click five stars and that's it. Um, so for those of you who've done that, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. So once again, thank you so much for joining me, Kelly. I really appreciate it. <laughs> My pleasure, Mel. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. All right. And thank you so much for tuning in. And as always, may the stars be with you.